And I want to talk today about fear. And you, you probably don't remember this because it's been several weeks, but we already talked about fear. Do you remember that, anybody? No? Well, it's, lovely. it's great to make an impact, isn't it? Uh, so uh, we talked about fear and worry and uh, why we worry and, and how God wants to help us not worry. And today I want to talk about fear in a different aspect. There's, there's a fear uh, that accompanies worry that, you know, that, that eats away at our emotional health, but there's a fear that takes away our courage and makes it difficult for us to move forward, to take the next step or to do the next thing that we need to do. So we have fear, we're, we're, we're fearful of change or we're fearful of, that we'll not be adequate to the, to the job or to the task. Uh, we fear the unknown, we, we get comfortable. How many of you know you get comfortable in your routines? And so then it's hard when you need to make a change, it's often hard to make a change because you don't know how it's going to work out. And then we fear that I'm going to try it and I'm not going to succeed. Sometimes it's easier to not try something and then be embarrassed by trying it and failing. You know, I'll just, I'll just fail up front, you know, instead of waiting to fail. God calls us, though, to be courageous. And how, do we, how can we be courageous? Fear is a natural response. Uh, you don't have to think of all your reasons to be afraid. They just show up. You don't have to say, you know, I'm going to make a list here of all the reasons I should be afraid. Uh, you don't have to do that. Your, your mind makes its list for you, and you, you have a list of all those things. It just shows up without invitation. You don't even have to encourage it. You don't even have to want it, and fear will express itself. When we consider all the things that we can be afraid of, you know, in this day and age, the things that can happen to you uh, in all kinds of ways, financially, physically, emotionally, relationally, every aspect of life, there's bad things that can happen. It's no wonder that the number one command in the Bible is fear not. We're confronted by fears on every side. So the Bible calls for us to be courageous. And here's, the, here's what I want you to get today. This is, this is the sermon. So if you get this, you can go ahead and leave, okay? Courage has to be seized. You have to take hold of it. It, it, it won't just show up. It won't just happen. You have to take hold of it. And there are some steps on how we take hold of courage because it won't just happen to take hold of courage. So how do we do it? In Psalm 27, the psalmist David is writing. He's in the midst of a difficult season. He's, he's got enemies rising up against him. He's got bad things happening. His response has been that he's gone to God in prayer. So David's got bad things happening. So he's, he's the way he's dealing with those bad problems that he's going and asking God for help. So he's crying out to God. He's saying, you know, my enemies are rising up against me. They're saying false things about me. And then he says this about himself. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'd have given up hope if I hadn't believed that God was going to come through. Not Not just when I'm dead, but now. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Now, here's the thing about the Bible. The Bible is, 
is a story about faith. <laughs> and so we have great examples of the, in the Bible of people who had great courage and who exercised great courage. We begin with Abraham. God speaks to Abraham, and he says, go, leave your home country, and go to the land that I'll show you. He doesn't even tell him where it's going to be. He just says, leave where you are, leave home, leave family, leave comfort. All of those things are difficult to do, aren't they? Leave home, leave comfort and family, and go to the land I'll show you. Now, if you're like me, my next request is to say, God, where are we going? And, you know, God says, you're going to go to the land that I'll show you. Well, can you give me the address? Because I'd like to put it into my GPS and know where I'm going. But, see, God very seldom works that way, and we want God to do that. We are like, God, if you'll show me where the end is going to be, I'll take the first step. And God says, no, you take the first step and trust me with where the end is going to be. God very seldom gives us more than a step at a time. We walk by faith. I don't know how you walk, but I specifically have to walk one step at a time. That's how we walk. We walk one step at a time. So God, God is teaching us to trust him, to learn to depend on him. So Abraham trusted God. Later, he shows incredible strength when he takes his only son uh, up on Mount Moriah, and because God says, I want you to offer him to me as a sacrifice, and Abraham is willing to do that, and he's obedient to God's promise. That took courage. Courage is an act of faith, because the courageous person, person acts on what he believes despite the threat. You, I know you've all heard this term, be afraid and do it anyway. Jacob showed great courage while facing a brother. He had, he had stolen the birthright from Jacob. And then he had fled, uh, run away from his brother. And then he decided it was time to go home. And so he had to face the brother who had sworn to kill him. So that took courage. Took courage to face that situation. Joseph, Jacob's son, was displayed great courage when he was sold into slavery by his brothers. And he excelled in Potiphar's household as a servant. And then he gets lied about by Potiphar's wife, and he is placed into prison. And there he excels in the prison. And he had to show courage in those places. He had to show faithfulness in those places. He had to show courage when Pharaoh calls him to interpret a dream. Because, you know, if you get it wrong, it's, it's off with your head. So he had to show courage. And, and then think, think about that. In that same moment, I mean, he's, <laughs> he led Potiphar's house. He ran a prison. And then he goes before the king, and he interprets the dream and says, there's going to be seven good years, and there's going to be seven bad years. There's going to be a famine in the land. And the king says, okay, I want you to be in charge of that. You know, what, wouldn't it be easy to say, hey, I've never done that before. I, I don't know how to do that. You're going to have to get somebody else. 
He showed great courage in stepping into the opportunity that God placed before him. And we often have those things where God places an opportunity. Ever, God, God ever tell you to do something that you don't want, you know you ought to do it, but you don't want to do it? I'm not, not talking about hard things. I'm talking about where God will say to you, you're talking with someone and they're sharing with you a need and God just drops in your heart. I want you to pray for them. Ask them if you can pray for them. And you're like, where'd that come from? Who's, who's talking to me? He's like, oh, and then you argue with yourself. You ever do this? So you argue with yourself, say, oh, that's just me. You know, that's not God telling me. That's not the Holy Spirit convicting me. That's just something that I'm feeling inside of me. Well, that's not true because what you're wanting to do is not do it. You wouldn't have given yourself to, to the idea of, not, of doing something you don't want to do. Right? So, the, the, so he had this opportunity, and he... And he stepped into that place of opportunity. Uh, there's Moses, who had the courage to face Pharaoh as God judged Egypt with the ten plagues. You know, when God called Moses, Moses' argument to God was, he said, I, I don't speak good. I'm a stutterer. I don't speak well. You need to get somebody else that can speak better. And God said to him, well, didn't I make your mouth? Aren't I able to make your mouth work correctly? And, and Moses continues to argue with God until God sends his brother Aaron to help him. So Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh. And what's interesting, Moses never lets Aaron talk. <laughs> he, you know, he's afraid that he's not going to be able to speak. And then he won't shut up. Uh, so God gave him courage. And he had courage to uh, lead the liberated Hebrews through the Red Sea. And then he led them to the promised land twice. And the, probably the greatest challenge was just leading that bunch of knuckleheads every day. As, you know, at one point, God says, hey, I'm just going to wipe them out. I started I started over with Noah. I started with Abraham and calling my people. I can start over again. It's no big deal to me. I'll start over again with you, Moses. And Moses intercedes before God not to kill them all. That's courage. There's Joshua who showed great courage in fighting military campaign after another with entrenched foes, trained warriors, and he saw victory after victory. There's Rahab, who was a harlot in Jericho. And when she had, hid the 10 spies that came, she hid them at great risk to her own life. She had great courage. And she said, I want to follow this God of yours. I want to follow Yahweh. And it took great courage to, to abandon everything she knew and everything that was comfortable to follow the God of Moses and the God of the children of Israel. There's Gideon, who the angel of the Lord calls man of valor. And when the Lord, angel of the Lord calls him a man of valor, I'm sure that Gideon looked around and he's thinking like, who are you talking about? Because he's hiding in a wine press. He's hiding so that he can't be seen doing what he's doing. He's not showing any valor at all. So the angel of the Lord is not talking about what he is, but what he's going to be. 
God often tells us what we're going to be, not where we are. And we're focusing on where we are. You know, Gideon's thinking, well, look how afraid I am. Angel of the Lord says, yeah, but I'm going to do great things for you if you'll be available. And God does that in his life. He defeats the Midianites with a very great victory. Uh, David showed great courage in facing Goliath. I mean, everybody had a chance to kill Goliath. He was there for 40 days. Nobody did anything. Somebody had to do something. He seized courage. He got a hold of courage. He believed God's promise, and he faced Goliath. There's Joab and Abishai, two, two of uh, David's commanders. And they faced overwhelming odds by the Syrians and the Ammonites, and they defeated them. There's Esther. She showed great courage facing a royal husband with the power and proven precedent of punishing a queen unwilling to follow protocol. I mean, he had already killed one wife because she didn't do what she was supposed to do. And God called Esther to go and plead for the Jews. And she did it. And there was a great victory. There's Daniel who showed courage in facing a den of lions. Daniel didn't know the outcome when he was obedient to do what God told him to do. Daniel prayed his way into a lion's den. That was the consequence. Daniel didn't do anything different than he'd ever done because he prayed every day. They tried to find some way to catch him, so they caught him because he was a faithful man of prayer. So because he prayed, it caused him to end up in a lion's den. And as far as he knew, it was going to be the end. He didn't, expect, he didn't pray expecting that the lion's mouths would be shut. He prayed expecting that there would probably be a consequence to his obedience. And he saw a great deliverance from the Lord as he was delivered from the mouth of the lions. Then you put all of those great difficulties together and all the crisis, there's Jesus who has endured so much more than all of these things. Jesus who faced all of these things. Jesus who bore our sins in his body on the cross. Jesus who took the sins of every man on himself. Can you imagine? Can you imagine identifying with disgusting people, disgusting sinners, identifying with pedophiles and rapists and murderers and child traffickers and pornographers. Every sin that has ever been sinned and every sin that will ever be sinned was laid upon him and he took it on himself. He bore it for us on his body on the cross. The wrath of God against every sin of mankind. And then he, as he's preparing, he knows this is coming. He's walking towards Jerusalem. He's telling them, hey, I just want you guys to know they're going to kill me. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And they're like, huh? What did he say? I think he said it's lunchtime. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure he said lunchtime. Uh, you know, they just, they didn't get it because the, their minds couldn't go there. All of Israel, they couldn't see a suffering Messiah. They had in their mind that the Messiah was going to come and defeat the Romans and rule and reign. That was their picture. That was their, that was their belief. They couldn't see a suffering Messiah. They couldn't see it from the scripture. 
It was only after his resurrection that Jesus opened their eyes to the scripture. They were able to see it. And Jesus seen, knowing that he's going to the cross, knowing that he's going to face the wrath of God, knowing that he's going to face the separation of God, he deliberately walked to it. He endured its horrors, knowing that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We know in Matthew 26, verse 53, he says, Don't you know that I have in my power to ask my Father and he would send thousands of angels to rescue me? It required unbelievable courage to face the death of every man and to carry the sin of every man so that we would be able to have forgiveness and freedom. Each of these biblical people had to take courage to act. They believed what was right, and in spite of their fears, they had fear, they took the action anyway. See, God calls us to be people of good courage, to to have good courage. We have to be people of faith and courage. 2 Corinthians 5, 6, Paul gives us kind of an example of what good courage is. 2 Corinthians 5, 6. Therefore, always being of good courage and knowing that while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. So Paul is talking to the Corinthians. He said, I want you to recognize that we have this promise. We have a promise in God that when, you know, that when time is up here, when we're absent from the body here, we're going to be present with the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Paul says that by believing God's promises, it causes us to have good courage. Where does courage come from? Courage comes from our faith in God. Courage comes from believing God's promises. Here's the whole context of that scripture. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but, but though our outer man is decaying, Yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary, this momentary light affliction is living, is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. For while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, they're temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal which is hard for us to wrap our minds around. The spiritual things in life are real and eternal, and the things that we see, feel, and experience, the material things, are all temporary. And have you noticed that? Why are they temporary? Because they go away. They, they decay. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God. So he's comparing our, our body to a tent. Now, our, you know, a tent is really frail compared to a building, right? We know that if our earthly tent, which is our, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, for indeed, indeed, indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan being burdened because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He said, we don't, 
We don't want to die, but we want to step into eternity. And when we step into eternity, we'll be clothed, what? By life. Swallowed up by life. Now, he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We're of good courage. And I say and prefer, whether to be absent from the body and be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. So what Paul is saying, he's saying our good courage is fueled by our faith in what God has promised. We have good courage because we know we have a secure return. We have to fear death. We don't have to be afraid of what might happen to us because we have a promise that supersedes that, and that is the promise of eternity in Christ. So we have this good promise. So since we, since we have a surety of faith, we, we can have courage because of what God has promised us. So we look through the Word of God, and we see all kinds of promises. We're encouraged by these promises. This is just, you know, just the the tip of the iceberg, 1 John 1, 9 says he's faithful to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have a promise. We can be encouraged that God will forgive our sins. How many times? How many times you're going to need it? His goodness. We sang about it today. His goodness is running after me. He keeps, he, he has lavished grace upon us. He doesn't just give you enough. He's lavishing grace upon you, and he continues to do so. Hebrews 13, 5, he's promised, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Our, our, we have that promise that no matter what I go through, I will never go through it alone. No matter what I face, I'll never face it alone. Even if everyone forsakes me, the Lord will not forsake me. The Lord will be with me in my deepest, darkest days and difficulties. Psalm 112, verse 4 says that God will cause light to dawn in our darkness. So God's going to bring light into difficult and dark places. You'll find that when you go through dark days, God will shine his light into your heart. God will reveal himself in dark days in ways that you haven't seen in days of ease. In days of difficulty, you will see the light of the Lord dawn into your darkness. Philippians 4.19, God says, I'll supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. God is faithful. He's promised to provide for us all that we really need. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, he, he promises to provide an escape for every temptation. He will not put on you more than you can bear. Now, some people misquote this verse, and they apply this verse to the situations of life, that God will not put you in a situation that's more difficult than you can handle. That's not true. There'll be a lot of things that are going to happen in your life, and you say, I can't handle that, and I couldn't handle it. I can only endure it and be sustained in it by the Lord's strength, but I'm not handling it. So the, the Lord will put on you more than you can bear in your own strength. He'll do it. He, that's suffering. And Jesus said, in the world you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've over, overcome the world. This promise that I'll not put more on you than you can bear, I will make a way of an escape, is about temptation. 
that everyone is tempted. Temptation is common to man. Everybody's tempted. Everybody's tempted to lose their temper. Everybody's tempted to lust. Everybody's tempted in all kinds of, everybody's tempted to be greedy. Everybody's tempted to gossip. There's all kinds of temptations that come our way. In every temptation, through the Word and by the Spirit of God, we don't have to sin. There is an escape. This is the promise. God gives us the promise that he will give us a way of escape. Romans 8, 28 says, God's going to cause all things to work together for good to those that, are, those that are called after God and called according to his purpose. God's going to make all things work together for good. God takes bad things and turns them, even the worst things, into our ultimate eternal good. Romans 16, 20. God promises that he's going to overcome all the enemies of death, hell, and the grave. All of our enemies will be ultimately defeated in Christ. In John chapter eleven twenty-five, 25, Jesus said, if you believe in me, even if you die, you will live. He, he actually says, it's very confusing the way he says it. If you believe in me, you'll never die. But when you die... <laughs> You'll, you'll live again. We have the promise of eternal life in Christ. We have the promise that even though we die, we will live. Revelation 21.4, God promises someday to wipe away every tear, to fill every sorrow with the joy of his presence. See, heaven is a place where our regrets are filled with the joy of God. We're going to regret different things. Now, people in hell... Hell is a place where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. And gnashing of teeth means regrets. Can you imagine living with the knowledge that you rejected salvation when you had the opportunity? Living with the knowledge of what your, where your sins have brought you. You could have depended upon the salvation of Jesus Christ. Instead, you choose your own way. You said, I don't want salvation. You rejected it. And can you imagine spending eternity going, oh, Oh, I had a chance. In the same way, those of us in heaven could have a lot of regrets. You know, I should have witnessed to that person. I really felt like the Holy Spirit prompted me to ask that person if they knew Jesus as their Savior and Lord, but I was afraid. I was fearful. Uh, I, I didn't want them to reject me. I didn't want to be embarrassed, so I didn't say anything. And so now I regret that I didn't do what I should have done. And you can imagine heaven could be filled with those, couldn't it? So God's going to, when those regrets fill our heart, they're not going to linger like they will in hell. When those regrets of things we could have and should have done, God's going to wipe them away and fill us with the joy of his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand, pleasures forevermore. God's going to fill our lives in eternity with the joy of his presence. What makes heaven heaven is not gold streets. What makes heaven heaven is the presence of God. It's going to be glorious. And there's so many more promises. Promises to help. Promise to peace. Promise of joy. Promises of truth. Here, here's what I believe. There is a promise for your problem. 
If you've got a problem, there's a promise in the Word of God to help you face your problem, to help you stand where you are, to have courage in the midst of your problem because you can stand by faith on the Word of God. Let your heart take courage. Courage is fueled by faith, and faith is believing God's promises. Biblical courage, good courage, results from us taking hold of promises. So we're delivered from the fear of death. We're delivered from the fear of the wrath of God. We trust God. We believe God. We stand on His Word. We become people who our courage is sustained. It's fueled by the promises of God. We must take courage. That's what David is saying when he talks about this opposition. He says, I've got to take courage. Psalm 27. The Lord's my light. And my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life, whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. The war rise against me. In spite of this, I will be confident. And then he ends the psalm with this. I would have despaired. Unless I believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Good courage is fueled by faith in what God promises his people. He resisted the temptation to overemphasize the threat and underestimate God's willingness to take care of him. Letting Your heart, take courage, means believing God's promises, and you have to get a hold of it. He says, take good courage. I want to tell you that you got to get a hold of the promises of God. You want to have courage? It's not going to show up tomorrow at 3 o'clock. You're going to have to fight for it by the Word of God. You've got to take the Word of God and believe the Word of God and stand on the Word of God. Say, I believe God will. I believe God is able. This is what God promises me. And in those, we can step out of courage. We can step out into God's promises and trust him, believe him. Amen? Amen. I'm going to stand and pray. Thank you, Jesus. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of dying? Are you afraid of COVID? You, there's all kinds of diseases and things we can be afraid of. Afraid of cancer? Is your heart filled with fear? God wants to deliver you from fear and give you good courage. You can fight the fight of faith with courage because he's on your side. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Yea, in all of these things, we're more than conquerors through him who died for us. You see, I think the world is afraid right now. And men's hearts are failing them with fear. And we have the opportunity that in the midst of it, as we face challenges, as we face difficulties, to trust God and be people of faith, be people of good courage that we've grabbed hold of. We've grabbed hold of the promise. We've grabbed hold of his truth, and we're hanging on to Jesus and trusting him because he's our source, our hope, our help, 
our strength, our supply, our Savior. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would banish every fear that is controlling our minds and controlling, crippling us from taking steps we need to take in obedience to you, crippling us from moving into the the area of victory. We want to see 10 steps, and you're telling us to take a step. And yet our fear of what not knowing what it's going to be like, we're afraid to do it. Lord, I pray that you would give us your courage. We would have good courage because our trust is in you, and we believe your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I love you.